You are Locked On Fantasy Baseball, your daily fantasy baseball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, fantasy friends. I'm Scott Cullen, host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've gone through overachieving and underachieving hitters in 2020, as well as some overachieving and some underachieving pitchers. Today, I'll finish my list of underachieving pitchers. Remember, these results were compiled in a short two-month season. If a pitcher was really off for two months without any sign of injury, that might be a little troubling. If they had a rough handful of starts and it really damaged their overall numbers, it might not be such a big deal. I'll look at some of the underlying numbers to see how much we should worry about these pitchers who did not live up to expectations in 2020. We'll start with Oakland A's left-hander Mike Miner. The veteran was quite effective for Texas in 2018-2019. He had a 3.84 ERA and 60 starts uh, over those two seasons. But he ended 2020 with 5.56 ERA. That wasn't all awful. Miner's 1.24 whip was okay, and he did have 9.8 strikeouts per nine. He did get hit harder, higher barrel rate and hard hit rates. But it looks like Miner's biggest issue was that he stranded just 62.9% of base runners. He also lost a couple miles per hour off his fastball, so that bears watching. But there is certainly a universe in which Miner is a quality mid-rotation option for some team next season. Toronto's Ross Stripling. Expectations may not have been through the roof for Stripling, who'd been a swingman for the Dodgers for the previous four seasons, but he was a good swingman. From 2015 through 2019, he had a 3.51 ERA and 1.20 whip. 2020 was different, though. Finished with a 5.84 ERA with the Dodgers and Blue Jays, 1.50 whip. Uh, But he was worse across the board. Lowest strikeout rate and highest walk rate of his career. Career low strand rate, career high home run fly ball rate, career high barrel rate, and career high contact rate. Blue Jays better hope that Stripling can pull out of it next season, but... Fantasy owners are probably going to want to wait and see. Colorado Rockies uh, veteran John Gray, the third overall pick in 2013. Gray has managed to put together a couple of quality seasons, which kind of stands out for someone who pitches at Coors Field. But then Gray got hit hard in his eight starts in 2020. He stranded just 54.4% of his base runners, which is ridiculous. Uh, He lost a couple miles per hour off his fastball. Uh, and increased his use of his changeup, which wasn't a very effective pitch for him either. Anyway, shoulder injury ended Gray's season early, so expectations should be rather modest going into 2021. Milwaukee's Adrian Hauser was surprisingly effective in 2019, but Hauser crashed to earth in 2020, finishing with a 5.30 ERA and 1.50 whip. Strikeout rate was down, he stranded 61.2% of his base runners, while there may be a path to Hauser being a low-end fantasy pitcher by, by merely stranding more runners, he's probably a sleeper at best for next season. Now, Cincinnati's Anthony DiSclefani. I try to avoid injury-related disappointing seasons because, for the most part, they're bad luck. And for pitchers, they're almost inevitable at some point. But DiSclefani was a disappointment even when he did pitch. Uh, and in part, that disappointment is because I expected him to be a really solid starter for the Reds. He had a 3.89 ERA and 1.20 whip in 2019. 
In 2020, DiSclefani didn't allow a run over 11 innings in his first two starts and allowed nine runs in two innings in his next start, followed by seven and three and two-thirds innings a couple of starts later. Those blow-ups left DiSclefani with a 7.22 ERA and 1.69 whip. His strikeout rate was down, his walk rate was up, and DiSclefani had a barrel rate of 11.4%, which is double what he had in 2019. Really, the difficulty he had throwing strikes was his main issue, because once he fell behind in the count, opposing hitters would tee off on his fastball. Those numbers are so bad that I can kind of chalk them up to small sample wonders of a couple of blowout losses, and I'd keep an eye on DiSclefani on the waiver wire next season. You likely won't need to take him on draft day, but there might be some value there in the long run. New York Mets, Stephen Matz. Matz has had some decent seasons in his Mets career. Wins are hard to come by for Mets pitchers, of course, but otherwise, a few decent seasons. 2020 was not one of them, though. Matz started six games before he was demoted to the bullpen, and he finished with a 9.68 ERA, 1.70 whip, despite a career-best 10.6 strikeouts per nine. Matz stranded just 58.6% of his base runners. His career rate is 74.6%. Barrel rate was 13.5%. His home run fly ball rate was 37.8%. Basically, Matz's mistakes were hit incredibly hard and would land in another zip code. His fastball curve and change all got crushed. It's not like Matz gave up more contact uh, than he had in previous seasons. It's just that the contact was so much harder than any other season of his career. Coming up next, we'll finish up the list. A few more pitchers that failed to meet fantasy expectations in 2020. Send me your questions. I'm at by Scott Cullen on Twitter. The show is at LO underscore Fantasy MLB on Twitter. If you want to fire off an email, send it to LockedOnFantasyBaseball at gmail.com. So let's finish off this list of pitchers who failed to meet expectations in 2020. We're getting into some, some rough territory here. Uh, Washington's Anibal Sanchez, the veteran right-hander, looked like he was cooked in Detroit in 2016, and then again in 2017. But he reversed course and had a couple of strong seasons in Atlanta, then Washington, in 2018 and 2019. Then in 2020, Sanchez had a 6.62 ERA and 1.66 whip. He'll be 37 by the time next season starts, and he's a free agent after the Nats bought him out. Probably don't need to worry about Anibal Sanchez for fantasy in 2021. Oakland's Mike Fires, 35-year-old, had a career-high 15 wins in 2019, which kind of masked that he wasn't really that effective. He was fine, but it shouldn't come down as come as too much of a surprise that he struggled in 2020. His strikeout rate was down to 5.6 per nine innings. He lost more than a couple miles per hour off his fastball, and he didn't really have a couple miles to lose to begin with. That left fires with a 4.58 DRA, 1.37 whip, which would put him on the edge of fantasy relevance, uh, but when combined with his low strikeout rate, it's just not too appealing. He's a free agent, and will probably find a home somewhere because teams need rotation depth, but... Fires isn't a big fantasy consideration for next season. New York Mets starter Rick Porcello. 2016 was so long ago. Never mind the way that time stands still in 2020. But Porcello won the American League Cy Young Award in 2016. And then in a dozen starts for the Mets this year, he was 1-7 with a 5.64 ERA and a 1.51 whip. Now, that sounds terrible. The thing is... Porcello's fielding independent pitching was 3.33, which was even lower than his Cy Young season. But Porcello stranded just 59.5% of his base runners. 
had the lowest ground ball rate of his career and highest contact rate of his career. His 6.4% swinging strike percentage was the lowest uh, since 2011. Now that fielding independent pitching might tempt me if I was a team looking for a bargain fifth starter. So I wouldn't be lined up to take Porcello in fantasy, but it's conceivable he could climb into relevance next season. San Francisco's Johnny Cueto. Tommy John surgery limited Cueto to just 13 starts total in 2018 and 2019. He started a dozen games for the Giants in 2020, but it ended with a career-high 5.40 ERA and a 1.37 whip. His strikeout rate was okay. His walk rate and strand rate were problems. Cueto will be 35 next season, but he could be a bit of a fantasy dark horse as he gets another year away from his surgery. Maybe a little bit healthier, uh, but as I say, a bit of a dark horse might have a chance to contribute next season. Let's go with Chicago Cubs lefty John Lester. The veteran struggled in 2019, but after so many good years on the bump, there was still a chance that he could pull it together in 2020. But he ended up with a 5.16 ERA, which was terrible. His 1.33 whip wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, Lester's strikeout rate was way down. Barrel rate of 12.3% was way too high. Uh, And now Lester's a free agent. And there may be suitors who think he can fill a back end of the road rotation spot, but given his past two seasons, the price would sure have to be right. So now, a couple of notes before I go. First, as you may or may not know, I'm in Toronto, and Rogers, the communications company that owns the Blue Jays, let go one of their radio voices today, a guy named Mike Wilner. Mike had been with them for 20 years. He was very popular in the market, and for whatever reason, is no longer in the job. Now, The sports business is hard, and it's not like Mike Wilner's the only one losing his job. But what gnaws at me is there have already been reports that they're going to bring in someone with Major League experience to fill his role. I'm going to get on my soapbox here just a little bit, not unlike I was in the aftermath of Kim Ang's hiring by the Marlins. There is no need for an announcer or analyst to be an ex-Major League player, just as there is no need for a general manager to have that kind of experience. At some point, Broadcasting executives got convinced that the only people with required knowledge to provide analysis were ex-players and ex-coaches. Players and coaches absolutely have domain knowledge that can be insightful if they're willing to share it. But that isn't enough to do the job well. Analysis requires a different skill set than playing. And I will reiterate this point. It's a hill I will die on if need be. What sets pro athletes apart from the general public is not their ability to analyze the sport they play. There are lots of people who can analyze, and in a broadcaster's case, talk about a sport without having the physical capability of competing at that level. This doesn't mean that ex-players can't provide analysis. They can. But those that can do it well are willing to learn and don't presume that their experience playing the game represents the full basket of knowledge. Having said all this, I don't know who the Blue Jays intend to bring in to replace Mike Wilner, but if it is an ex-major leaguer, for the sake of it being an ex-major leaguer, I won't be surprised if it doesn't work. Now, with that said, my second point is that in the spirit of U.S. Thanksgiving, I'm grateful to the team at Locked On for giving me a chance to run with this fantasy baseball podcast. 2020 hasn't been an easy year for anyone, but I've appreciated being able to come get some reps on the mic and learn more about podcasting thanks to Locked On Fantasy Baseball. I have a hockey podcast that I do on my own, the Puck Love Podcast, and these chances to talk sports have provided a little normalcy in a year that has not been remotely normal. So thanks to you, too, for checking out this podcast. 
I'm looking forward to making it bigger and better as we head towards the 2021 season. And that'll do it for this week. Enjoy the holiday weekend safely, and I'll be back Monday with more stats for off-season prep. Find this podcast, subscribe, and please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Baseball. Say hi to Sully. Stay locked in with Locked On Fantasy Baseball, your daily source for fantasy news and analysis.